Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к предверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которое очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки, веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец, Сын, Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться.
Before we once again begin to be immersed in the study of our riches, of our unfading holy ones that are contained in Scripture, the epigraph to the study of the Word of God, Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so, so that we, as members of the body of Christ, divide with Christ all that was written about him in Scripture, we will continue our study in the direction of our cooperation with the Holy Spirit and what we must do on our end so that we receive the right to set aside our former way of life in order to be clothed in a new way of life. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. 
And for the fulfillment of this commandment, there are, as we see here, there are three basic commands and verbs. This is to set aside, to renew, and to be clothed. And answering these faithful questions will affect whether or not we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or rather, will we perfect the salvation that is given to us in the format of a deposit, or will we waste it? Because of this, our names will forever be blotted out of the Book of Life. Although at a certain point they were written in there, in a certain format we have already examined the first two questions and have stopped to examine this question. What conditions must we fulfill so that through our renewed thinking we could begin the process of clothing ourselves into the powers of our new man who was created by God in Christ Jesus in the righteousness and holiness of truth? In regards to clothing ourselves into our new man, we came to the conclusion that we need God's help in the subject of His mercy. The means for accepting this kind of help, expressed in the inheritance of God's mercies, is prayer and worship. Because prayer is simply the right that man gives the heavens to interfere here on earth. And this right we are called to give God only on his established conditions. One of, the prayers, one of David's prayers written in the 143rd Psalm, where he gives God the right to interfere in his life, his mercy and truth will be an example for us of our inheritance. Она как раз то явилась предметом нашего последующего исследования, хотя эти Although these variants are in very many different places of Scripture. And so, of Psalm of David, hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servants, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of the old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. And so, to be heard by God, it was necessary for David to present a foundation or a right that could serve for God as proof that he could interfere in David's life with his mercy and his truth. And from David's perspective, this kind of proof in this prayer contained ten different arguments that David brought to God, saying, Hear me because of your righteousness and truth. Hear me because I remember the days of the old and all of your works. 
because I spread out my hands to you, because I trust in you. Hear me, because I lift my soul up to you. Hear me, for I run to you. Hear me, because you are my God. Hear me for your name. Hear me for your mercy, and hear me, because I am your servant. In the previous sermon, we have already examined the first argument that gave God the legal right to stand on David's behalf to help him withstand his enemies. We have stopped to examine the second argument, evidence that David remembered the days of the old and all the works of God in these days. We have noted that this is a very important component in which David stated in that he brought to God in prayer as required proof, saying, I remember the days of the old, I meditate on all your works, I muse on the work of your hands. They are written in my heart. And so to keep in our heart a remembrance of the days of the old and all the works of the Lord in these days, this means to keep in your heart truth and rightness that testify before God the results of the great work of redemption which gives God the opportunity to demonstrate His manifold mercies in our hearts. In other words, to be heard by God, it is necessary to remember the works of God in the days of the old. Regarding this, we arrived at the need to explore these questions. First, who or what by nature is a remembrance of God's work in the days of the old? Second, what purpose is a remembrance of God's work in the days of the old called to fulfill? Third, what price must we pay to remember God's works in the days of the old? And fourth, what results will follow after discovering in ourselves a remembrance of God's works in the days of the old? Looking at the first question, what is the remembrance of God's works, its properties, and its definition? We have concluded that the remembrance contained in a person defines the core of this person as well as his sovereign boundaries. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. This is very interesting that thoughts define the core of a person, his character. Considering that remembering is a information contained in the format of thoughts that we keep on the tablets of our heart and proclaim before God his works in the days of the old, we are transformed into the image of thinking yielding the works of God fulfilled by him in the days of the old. And if we have these deeds and we think about them, we are transformed into these deeds which on our end is expressed in the right that we give to God to interfere in our lives with His mercy. As it is written, when my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Jonah 2.7 
потому что будучи уже мертвым и он вообще его тело оставалось там, но его душа погрузилась И там он вспомнил Господа, потому что у него была эта запись. Некоторые люди думают, что они забывают вспоминать Long ago you have taken everything from your mind. You thought about things earthly things and all of this on this earth blotted out all heavenly things. And Satan tells people when you, when you will die, then you have a chance to, to, to repent and you'll still be saved. Jonah begins to say, When my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord. I know I knew two episcopals who before their death, they, were, they began being scared because during their life they didn't write down the words of God in the tablets of their heart. They always thought about their own prestige. They always thought about evangelism. They always thought, who must they excommunicate? Who must they hold with a leash? And when death comes, it turns out, well, how, are your, how is your relationship with God? And here it turned out they had no relationship with God. This was a lie. They lied to themselves, thinking that they had a relationship. I'm an Episcopal heading to perdition. I don't say that this is all Episcopals, but this is the part of those who in their heart do not have written the works of God. And so by keeping in our heart a remembrance of God's works done by him in the days of the old, we erase from our memory the deeds of people and information that was passed down. Today, when today's sorrows of alcoholics or drug addicts, when people are addicted, they go to different churches and say, I was in hell, they testify. And when one of the pastors told her, you're saying something not according to Scripture, she tells him, I saw you there. And she scared people this way. I remember we were offered, a uh, this woman was in hell, would you like to listen? She was just overdosed. Go to an, a drag addict and ask them what they see when they are under the influence. You will hear many different things. And she began saying, speaking and testifying about this in the church. So again, keeping in our heart a remembrance of God's works done by him in the days of the old, we erase from our memory the deeds of people and information that was passed down from the sinful life of our forefathers. We erase the program of sin from the vain life of our fathers. And in us is written the program of curse. And when we think about the works of God, then this thinking, this meditation, it's a program. When meditating, we turn on this program. And what does this program do, first and foremost? It cannot coexist with the other program, with curse, with sin. It erases it, it blots it out. And when focusing our sight and our thoughts on human deeds, we erase our remembrance of God's works in our heart. And in this manner, we deprive ourselves of the right to eternal life and condemn ourselves to death in the lake of fire. We have noted that the remembrance of man in itself is a weapon of man, and if we deprive his memory, he will look like a destroyed city. 
Psalm 9:7. Oh, enemy, destructions are finished forever, and you have destroyed cities. Even their memory has perished. This is an example of a destroyed city, a memory that has been lost. Remembrance of God's words is passed down like the inheritance of Christ from one righteous nation to another, from father to son. But you, O Lord, shall endure forever, and the remembrance of your name to all generations, Psalms 102, 12. Furthermore, a remembrance of God's works in the heart of man is God's holiness and the subject of his unfading glory. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks to the remembrance of his holy name, Psalms 34. This is referring to that holy memory that is in the heart. According to many sayings in Scripture, all of God's miracles made by Him in the days of the old are reminders because they reveal who God is for us and what He has done for us. He has made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Psalms 111.4 This is referring to in our heart. Setting the second question, what purpose in the relationship between God and His redeemed child is remembrance of God's works in the days of the old, called to fulfill and sealed on the tablets of our heart? We, in a certain format, looked at three components that serve as a memorial before God, and we stopped to study the fourth component. This is the breastplate of judgment that contained the mystery of the meme and Urim, through which God could hear man, and man could hear God. This is the breastplate of judgment that was on the chest of the high priest. And it differed from, was different than the other items that serve as a memorial before God, because according to its calling and purpose, it was a continual memorial before God. The others were just a memory that came at certain times. So when promises were supposed to be fulfilled, then this memory came. And then God remembered Noah, that time has come, and that he has to lead him out of the ark. He remembered Abraham, what he promised him, that he will lead him out of Egypt. 430 years, God didn't think about this. 430 years, he didn't think about the people being in Egypt. Only after 430 years, it says, and God remembered Abraham. Abraham, or the covenant of God with Abraham, is a remembrance. And here the breastplate of judgment is a continual memorial before God. And this is an image of a continual or a constant prayer. A constant prayer is a relationship with God that is untouched by sin, where a person in certain things stands before God in his need, and he does not back away. It is not unceasing prayer until he receives it. Whatever may happen, let death look in his eyes, let him have nothing left. We must have hope in nothing. A person continues to have hope because a person prays because he has hope, because he has trust, because he has something, he has something to rely on. 
And so a prayer that does not coincide with the conditions and characteristics of a breastplate of judgment does not have any right to be called a prayer, because only a constant prayer presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest gives us the right to enter the sanctuary as kings and priests of God, who are called to represent the interests of God's judgment for those commandments and statutes that are yielded by the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, in two precious stones in the names of the twelve stones of Israel, written on these 12 precious stones. Colossians 4.2 says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Practically, Apostle Paul said to Colossians, have a breastplate of judgment, be kings and priests, build a breastplate of judgment, Consistence in prayer is vigilance at the doors of our heart that is called to free us from future disasters. And this kind of vigilance defines the state of our heart. As it is written in Proverbs about a wife, about a wise woman, it says, her lamp stand, or her lamp, shines bright. And so watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke 21:36. The order of the makeup of the breastplate of judgment contains conditions the true worshippers of God whom God searches for himself are supposed to have. If we break the order of this sequence, then the breastplate of judgment that yields the state and nature of a worshipper cannot be called a breastplate of judgment. John 4, 23-24 But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. John 4, 23-24 This is referring to the breastplate of judgment. Because the breastplate of judgment is true, was truly something a, a phenomena of mysteries that was so that was very difficult to understand. In any place, you, you can turn to God through this blessed prayer of judgment. And being in the arena, and the meme there, thanks to these, you can hear what God is saying to you, and God will hear you. In practice, worshiping the Father in spirit and truth is to not damage the truth in the pursuit of goals that are set by God in Scripture, that many did before and many continue to do due to their ignorance or their hypocrisy or their jealousy. Not twist the truth. We have already noted that in the Septuagint, the breastplate of judgment is called a sign of justice. The image of the breastplate of judgment finds its expression in the conscience of man that is cleansed from dead works, on the tablets of which, as well as the seal, is the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. It is specifically through the conscience through which God speaks to us. That's where thumim is, the written word, what we can do and what we cannot do. And there, where there is thumim, urim will always come there, revelation and light. In this manner, conscience that is cleansed from dead works with the seal on the tablets of truth and rightness will yield the nature of true worshippers who will give God the right to act in them and through them on planet Earth. Heavenly Father searches for these kind of worshippers for Himself. In a certain format, we have already looked at the measurements and material out of which the breastplate of judgment was to be made. We have stopped to look at the next condition, which states, and you shall put settings of stones in it, 
four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, and an emerald. This shall be the first row. The second row shall be a carbuncle, a sapphire, and a diamond. The third row, a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. In the fourth row, a chrysolite, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in golden settings. So they are supposed to be carved according to fit the gold settings. Not the gold settings to fit it, but the stones to fit the gold settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel. Twelve gold settings on the breastplate of judgment is an image of the judgment of God and the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. Written on the tablets of our heart, which we, as worshippers of God, are called to represent in our continual prayer. And the twelve precious stones, with the engravings of markings of the twelve names of the sons of Israel, is an image of our prayer that represent the perfect judgments of God. Continual prayer, I want to again repeat, is an unceasing prayer that finds its expression in trust in God. And this kind of trust on the tablets of our heart is presented in the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment with the engravings of the twelve names of the sons of Jacob. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, Hebrews 10.35. Therefore, trust on the tablets of our heart that lacks a breastplate of judgment with the twelve precious stones and engravings of the names of the twelve sons of Jacob cannot be trusted. If we do not have a breastplate of judgment, that means we do not have true trust. And in a moment of crisis, we will not turn to God. We will not trust in God. We will trust on anything else but God. And to better understand how building ourselves into a breastplate of judgment on the tablets of our heart will be a constant holiness and memorial before God, then the names of the sons of Israel that are engraved on the precious stones are supposed to be written on the tablets of our heart in the order of their birth. The makeup of the breastplate of judgment contains a sequence of the twelve precious stones on the walls of the New Jerusalem and in the makeup of the twelve pearly gates, but with different functions and different purposes. We have noted that all of the grandeur and order of the temple was made for one holy object, and it served only one holy object. This was the golden ark of the covenant. The same way the ephod of the high priest with the breastplate of judgment was created and served only one holy object, which was exactly called to double and fulfill the functions of the golden ark. This, that, this is Urim and Thummim. The golden ark of the covenant and the breastplate of judgment figuratively represented the conscience of a person has been cleansed from dead works. Urim and Thummim is light and perfection, light or right, or revelation and truth. The Decalogue placed inside of the Ark of the Covenant was truth, and this truth was presented on the breastplate of judgment as the meme. The revelation that a person could receive under the lid of the Ark of the Covenant was presented in the breastplate of judgment as Urim. Therefore, worshippers of God could only be a person who had a conscience that was cleansed from dead works, or a wise heart on the tablets of which truth was sealed in the subject of the meme. 
Because of this, the revelation of God in the subject of Urim could only abide in the boundaries of truth that were represented by Thummim in the teaching of Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh. As it is written, I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31.6 God will not place his wisdom in a foolish heart. He will not open, reveal to a foolish heart his revelations. And a wise heart is defined by a conscience that is cleansed from dead works. If we have cleansed our conscience from dead works, but we have not written the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh in our heart, then in this home will come Satan. When he comes and sees that the house is cleansed, but it is free, there is no thumim, there is nothing written there, he takes seven beasts and he returns to this home. That's why today we find that the most dangerous are religious people. This is foolishness and ignorance. They absolutely don't hear anything, don't see anything. They say, I understand it this way, I was taught this. The fact that they were taught incorrectly, the, the fact that they misunderstand scripture, it doesn't bother them. They are simply foolish. And they don't even see where they are going. They don't see that because of their foolishness, their ignorance, they're heading to destruction, they're twisting the word of God, and they don't see this. They are already blind, and they are long ago already forgotten by God. That's why when it says here, I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artists that they make all that I have commanded you, it means to make a home where God could abide. This is basically talking about the wisdom contained in Thummim and Urim, and that the carriers of Thummim and Urim are worshippers of God who have the immune system of the Holy Spirit. Take a look at what God said about Levi in Deuteronomy 33, 8 through 11. Levi, we know, is, we know is a tribe out of which high priests were chosen, Levites, who, carried, who carry the breastplate of judgment. And of Levi, he said, Let your Thummim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa, and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children, for they have observed your word and kept your commandment. They shall teach Jacob your judgment and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you in a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless substance, Lord, and accept the work of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him and of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Deuteronomy 33, 8-11. People who have a breastplate of judgment, who have a continual prayer, warriors, those who are warriors of prayer, if someone says something against them, that person is in danger. Scripture says, that their loins will be this blessing which Moses, a man of God, blessed Levi with, highlights that people who relate themselves to God, God's chosen nation, who go against those who carry Thummim and Arim and hate them because they themselves do not carry Arim and their future awaits a lake of fire. Why do they hate people 
are carriers of arimuthamim because they themselves don't have arimuthamim. They try to interpret with their head. People oftentimes came up to me, preachers, they say, where do you take all this from? Where do you get it all? I say, from there, they say, we also read. Where? How? How? Give me what, what you have, what you see. Give me your, your notes. How? So the reason, if you don't have Urim and Tumim, how? Well, you will give him notes, he still won't understand anything. He will try to decorate his words to make him seem high and, and honored, but he won't understand. Но эти две, три, четыре шестеренки – это не часы. Нужно иметь полностью, значит, этот механизм, который работает, чтобы он показывал время, чтобы он показывал все. So in a particular form, we have already studied the first five properties of a worshiper and the virtue of five precious stones, ruby, topaz, emerald, carbuncle, and sapphire with engravings of Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, and Dan, through whom God could continually manifest his interests on planet Earth. We have stopped to examine the sixth component of a worshiper expressed on the breastplate of judgment of our heart and the virtue of the precious diamond stone. The sixth name on the second row from the bottom that was engraved on the precious stone of the breastplate of judgment on the tablets of our heart was the name of the sixth son of Jacob, Naphtali, meaning wrestler. Genesis 37-8 And Rachel's maid, Bilhah, conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali, which means wrestler. We have noted that diamond is an adamant stone. Diamond, with the engraving of the name of Tali, is an adamant stone. And the word adamant does not have a relation to any other stone besides diamond. It is also a gem that is cut no other way than like a diamond cut. A diamond or an adamant is pure carbon and therefore has great hardness. Out of all the different precious stones, in ancient times, an adamant stone was seen as a symbol of authority, success, luxury, and victory. An adamant stone was valued for its healing properties, hardness, and surely for its aesthetic properties. Jewelry with this stone was allowed to be worn only by those who belonged to a higher class. Noting the name, the meaning of the name Naphtali Wrestler engraved on the precious diamond stone as a weapon with which we are called to withstand and fight our enemies, it is a constant prayer in the power of the Holy Spirit that answers to the conditions of the precious diamond stone cut in a diamond cut. The name of God in the precious diamond stone, according to Jewish rabbis, in Hebrew means El Hai, which translated to Russian means living God. Therefore, according to the meaning of the name of Tali on the precious diamond stone, we note that the function of the sixth principle laid as the foundation of our constant prayer with which we need to serve as a continual memorial before God. This is our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to be with us in prayer battle against the powers of darkness that go against us, fulfilling the will of God, the name of the living God. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. 
The Holy Spirit can bind to us in our prayer battle under one condition. When our prayer answers to the conditions of God's perfect will that is contained on the tablets of our heart and the conditions of the breastplate of judgment. Jeremiah 10.10 says, But the Lord is a true God. He is a living God and the everlasting King. And His wrath, the earth will tremble, and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. In this case, the word living in relation to God means dwelling, great, unlimited in power, determining our being, creator of our being, containing our being, being preserving, preserving our being, overlooking over our being, and the Lord of our being. Joshua 3, 10-13, and Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites You will know that the Lord is your living God because he will drive out all your enemies. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. Joshua 3, 10-13 Jordan was stopped because of the name of Jordan, because of the name of the living God. When the, land, when the people of Israel, when they crossed over Jordan, it was poured out, it was poured out and the width of Jordan could be 12 kilometers in some places of this river, this fast-flowing river. And for some reason, God brought them to the deepest place, and the depth was about a kilometer at this time. It was poured out so much, it was overflowing so much. And so how did they cross this river that had quick, quick streams? Jordan was overflowing because from the mountains flowed water. Everything was overflowing with water. This was an image of death. Death that came to its peak and was poured out. It was ready to swallow man. But as soon as those, the feet, the soles of the feet of the priests, they stepped onto Jordan, Jordan stopped and it became a wall. One part of the water stood as a wall. That's why there was a great, there was, there was a flood because it was poured out. The people of Israel calmly passed. One, one million people crossed over it. Can you imagine? It was it happened throughout the, over the day. There were so many people. And they stood and the water didn't go anywhere. And as soon as they crossed over Jordan and they placed 12 stones where this priest stood. They took 12 priests out of Jordan, they put it on the embankment, and as soon as the priests came onto the land, the water returned. That's, for all the people, this was fear. People were brought to fear. God stopped Jordan in front of them. Of course, all of hell will come to fear when you stop death, when it will trip at your feet, when you begin to clothe yourself in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God is living. People living on the territory of the land of Israel who are our paramount enemies 
is an image of the genetic program that we have inherited from the vain life of our forefathers. The vain life of our forefathers is a sinful life that yields the program of second death or eternal life. And to erase this program of death from our essence, we must, in prayer battle, withstand the program of death with the program of life that is contained in the name of the living God that is presented on the tablets of our heart and the breastplate of judgment and the precious diamond stone with the engraving of the name of Tali. Therefore, according to the characteristics contained in the virtue of the name Al-Hai, or living God, we note that the properties of a worshiper that are contained in the virtue of the name of the living God are called to represent the limitless authority of God over beings in the time allotted by him and in his limits. However, by proclaiming the faith of our heart and representing the characteristics of the living God in our continual prayer before God, it is necessary in the time and limits allotted to us to be clothed in the life of God which is presented by our inner man in the resurrection of Christ. And to represent the virtue of a worshiper who worships in spirit and truth and the virtue of the precious diamond stone that represents the living God with engraving of the name Naphtali on it, that means wrestler or a person who gives the Holy Spirit the opportunity to fulfill the perfect will of God and fight with us against the organized powers of darkness that go against us. We have turned to some important characteristics that are contained in the name of the living God that is yielded by the virtue of the diamond stone that worshippers of God are supposed to have in their prayer battle, yielded in the virtue of the name of Tali. We will need to define what purpose is God pursuing when he calls his children to become warriors of prayer, as well as how and under what conditions can God give a person the right to become a warrior of prayer so that a person could represent the interests of God in the realization of his inheritance in God. According to Scripture, being a warrior of prayer is a legitimate and privileged inheritance of saints of all time. Second, this is their original purpose expressed in their calling to trample the wickedness of the wicked in prayer battle. Three, this is one of the greatest provisions that is given by God to man, in which a person becomes a king and priest unto God, and is seen by God as a diamond with engraving of the name of Tali. The prayer of a warrior of prayer is a kind of sacred and valued mystery that has an unearthly origin. Therefore, it is inaccessible if it tries to be mastered through earthly ways. Prayer has an unearthly origin. Out of all of the different forms of service, services, prayer is the most difficult kind of service that many Christians in many circumstances run away from, neglect, and reject. First Timothy 1.18, Apostle Paul wrote to his son, Sin according to the teaching, son according to the teaching. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, and to define and build a system that will be founded on certain commandments of God, and the fulfillment of these commandments, then according to revelations from Scripture, 
Our prayer and the quality of warriors of prayer yielded by the virtues of a diamond are supposed to be first unceasing, second assiduous, three vigilant with boldness, reverential with faith or trust in God, with thanksgiving, with joy, nine in the fear of the Lord, and ten in the Holy Spirit or by prayer in tongues. And before we begin to look at our worship in the format of offerings expressed in our prayers, it is necessary for us to know that a person who does not have the virtue of a warrior of prayer stops being valued by Scripture as a house of God. And because of this, God leaves his home because God can only be comforted in his home, which is called none other than a house of prayer. Isaiah 56, 7. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted at my altar, for my house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations. Specifically, the virtue of the rank of a warrior of prayer that is accepted by us under the conditions of God makes us a house of prayer. According to words written in Scripture, prayer that is made outside of the conditions of God transforms our home from a house of prayer into a den of thieves. Mark 11:17. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations? We have made it a den of thieves. So when someone comes out who leads a service, they come out and say, who can give 100,000? I was shocked. I looked and in the congregation. There were more than 20,000 people at a service I was at. And then I saw here and there, hands were raised. And then the leader says, who can give 10,000? Many people raised their hands. And when he said 1,000, this was Benny Hinn. Now, out of this, you can define, is he a man of God or is he not? Can a man of God turn to the mass thousands of people who came and he says to them at this time, who can give 100,000? People are called to give a tenth of what they make. They themselves are supposed to see what they could sacrifice. That's it. As soon as you say more, you stop being a house of prayer. God came to the den. When he saw, he, when Jesus came and he saw this, he noticed it was a den of thieves and he... Tithes is an honor to God. It is an expression of love toward God. Not who can give more, who can give this much. I say, out of this, you can define what, who this person is. As soon as you hear a person speaking about these things regarding money, stop listening to him. This is not a worshiper of God. This is not a man of God. Scripture says this kind of home is made into a den of thieves. Prayer, warriors of prayer, is the only means that gives us the right to cooperate with God or search for God, communicate with God and know God in His Word and through His Word. And this kind of prayer must begin by listening to God, and only then it can be expressed in preaching, chanting, prayer in tongues, and prayer in the mind. 
Псалом 36-9. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. You see, you have opened my ear. Communication begins not from sacrifices, but how you will hear. Therefore, according to Scripture, a sacrifice in the house of God was never and could never be paramount. If our ears are closed to hearing the word of God, then a person in his sacrifice or his prayer will always bind his own will to God, thinking, that he is fulfilling the will of God. And as soon as this occurs, the house of prayer in the eyes of God will be immediately transformed into a den of thieves. The next element that we have noted in a system of prayer is that the virtue of warrior of prayer is supposed to correspond to the virtue of a copper altar. We have already looked at this and examined this in our previous sermon. The next element that we have noted in the system of prayer is that in the temple where prayer occurred, God, not man, was supposed to be an initiator of the act. He gives prayer beginning and he ends it. Matthew 12, 30, He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters abroad. That is why we must watch after our feet when we enter into the house of God or the house of prayer. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God. Draw near to hear rather than to give a sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they do evil. In other words, you must look, what does, what does God want us to pray about today? Where, how to where is our prayer supposed to be directed to? The next element that we noted in a system of prayer was that in the temple where prayer occurred, anything that does not belong to the temple could not be there or be brought there, even if this item was not sinful. However, as soon as an item that is not sinful and outside of the temple becomes on the territory of the temple, it becomes sinful because it does not belong to the temple. Because of this, it defiles the temple. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who brought and sold in the temple and overturn the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations? We have made it a den of thieves. Mark 11, 15 through 17. The next element that we noted in the system of prayer is that in the temple where prayer occurs, the state of a warrior must be equal to the condition of an infant. If we as worshippers of God do not have in our spirit the condition of infants, our worship will be viewed by God as an ordinary farce, and our home will be transformed from being a home of God to a den of thieves. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 18.3 Luke 18.17 Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Psalms 8.2 Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength, because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Avenger is God, and the enemy is devil. And one and the other, when God sees the state of, our, the state of heart of a worshiper, how an infant is able to freely forgive, God becomes powerless because he can't, if a person is able to forgive, 
forgive the sins of those who have resentment against him. God can judge this person then, and devil can't, this shuts his mouth. The next element in the system of a warrior of prayer, on which we are supposed to be founded in the ten elements that define the nature of prayer, this is, so we are supposed to note that the genesis of prayer, we need to understand the path to understanding and answer prayer, and we need to understand the path to knowing the will of God in prayer. And only then the ten elements of prayer will work. Without this understanding, without these three things, these ten elements will not work because we do not understand these main three questions. Without a concrete understanding of this foundation, our knowledge of the ten elements of prayer will be crushed as soon as the first wind blows. Genesis of prayer. This is an objective reality that exists independently of our consciousness and our will. And so, prayer existed far before the creation of man and before the creation of the visible and invisible universe. From this we note that prayer always existed, and there was no gap in the vast ocean of eternity where prayer did not exist and express itself in its acts. Because prayer is a way of expressing the legal relationship of the Son of God and the Holy Spirit with their Heavenly Father, with God. Because of this, a true prayer has the same nature as God. It did not have a beginning, and it does not have an end. And it will always abide where God abides. The first intercessor, worshiper in prayer, whom we meet on the page of Scripture, is the Holy Spirit, who appears as a legal intercessor and is responsible for the implementation of the plans of God regarding both the visible and invisible sphere. This is clearly seen from the words describing his actions in the birth of the first particles of the visible universe. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Genesis 1-2. However, when we carefully study the genesis of prayer, we find out that without violating the primacy in the intercession of the Holy Spirit, the second person of the Godhead, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit is the first standard for intercessory. They don't have, he is first, he is second. He doesn't violate this order. He is the first intercessor because the Holy Spirit is a power that clothes and represents this intercession before God. The Son of God, who in His essence is also the Word of God, because His incarnation and after His incarnation answers or carries responsibility before God for the realization of God's will in the visible and invisible spheres. This is what Apostle Paul says in Colossians 1, 15-17 regarding Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thro thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. According to the testimonies of Jesus, the role of the Holy Spirit as an intercessor and warrior of prayer is in that he hears from the Son of God and as a subject of his intercession. So the Holy Spirit intercesses what he hears from God, who is a standard, he is a standard for this intercession. However, when He, the Spirit of Truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. 
All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. John 16, 13-15. To better understand the meaning of the Genesis and purpose of prayer, we must understand God's essence and his intent regarding humanity. This is how the necessity of prayer is defined. These truths are reflected in the biblical description of the creation of the earth and man. According to words from Scripture, God never does anything without a purpose, and all of his acts are intended. They will always follow his eternal and unchanging goals. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Psalms 33, 11. So these thoughts of the heart is given from one right nation to another. According to the information that we have in Scripture, our God is a God of goals, and His goals are eternal, pure, and unchanging. To reach His goals, God always has an absolute, perfect, and unchanging plan. And for the fulfillment of His eternal, un unchanging plan, God always has a powerful, eternal, and non-decreasing force expressed in His spoken word and Holy Spirit. To activate and implement his word into a deed, God has one unchanging method called prayer. You see, if prayer does not exist, all of what we have, are talking about will not work. All that God has created on earth, including men and women, was directed to the realization of his perfect plans. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Genesis 1.26. Why did he begin to do this? Because the Holy Spirit went into his depths and found out about his desires and he began to pray. When he began to pray, Jesus always, Jesus through the Holy Spirit began to pray and they both begin to pray about this. And then he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Before all else, God wanted to reflect his character and his godly individuality in man. He has created us in such a way so that we could look like him, have his image, and be in his likeness. That means that we have a godly essence and character, and this is our purpose on earth, through the art of prayer to demonstrate or show the nature of our Creator to all of creation. This is only possible through the art of prayer. The phenomenon of prayer is the only method with the help of which man is called to direct the earth and give God the right to change the sequence of events on earth according to his perfect will. But God also had a personal reason for the creation of man. He wanted to establish a relationship of mutual love with man. The Lord created people according to his image and likeness to freely gift his love to his creation as well as freely receive it. There is only one reason why a person can communicate with God. It's because he contains the essence of God. A person is a spiritual essence because his creator is a spirit. And the, this communi communication can come to life solely through the art of prayer unveiled and established by God in Scripture. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. In this manner, communication with God can flow solely through the art of prayer that expresses itself in worship to God, which is defined by the search for the will of God. 
Before God expressed His will that was reflected in His pronounced word, the Holy Spirit, through the art of prayer, expressed His worship in the search for the will of God and in the recognition of the authority of this will over Himself. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water hovered over the face of the waters. Thanks to the fact the Holy Spirit hovered over the water that represented the inmost thoughts of God, He activated God to the revelation of His Word, which reflected His eternal, perfect, and unchanging will. The worship, or this, this kind of worship, or this prayer, is reflected in the word hovered, that indicated the relationship of the Holy Spirit toward the goals and thoughts of God covered with darkness. The old Slavic word hovered is close to the original text and is derived from the word hen, which sits on eggs, hatching its offspring, which contains these kind of verbs, to dominate, to warm, and to move. When a hen sits on its eggs, it warms it, it moves them, and it dominates over them. However, in Hebrew, the verb hovered means it has 12 different Angles, hovered, expecting the revelation of the plans of God with trembling. This is the prayer. This is prayer of the Holy Spirit. It was with trembling, reverence before God's plans. We will later talk about reverence in prayer. It is written, Jesus were heard because of his reverence. Sought the favor of God, gave God to himself, did not shy away from the goal and the subject of God's plans, to not shy away from the goal is an unceasing prayer. Focused on the plans of God, dominating the plans of God, hovered over the plans of God, moved on the plans of God with the speed of lightning, warmed the plans of God, was ready to fulfill the plans of God, and activated God to reveal his designs. This is what it means to hover this kind of prayer. Now we will throw a quick glance at the aspects that give an answer or understanding of an unanswered prayer. Romans 8, Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Romans 8.26 We will throw a quick glance at the aspects that give an answer or understanding of an unanswered prayer. We do not pay attention to how we must pray. If the Holy Spirit were to advocate for something against the will of God or advocate in an unacceptable manner, He would never be able to activate God to the dictation of His will. According to Scripture, when God looks at and studies our heart in which the Holy Spirit lives, He knows the thought of the Spirit, because advocacy of the Holy Spirit occurs strictly according to the will of God. Romans 8.27 Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. If the Holy Spirit lives in you as the Lord and Ruler, of your life, then God will test your hearts, because the ruler of your heart is the Holy Spirit, and if he is just a guest, then obviously God doesn't have anything to test there, and if your prayers will be useless, this will just be a religious act, nothing else, nothing more. It will comfort you, but it won't reach God. 
If we choose a subject of prayer that does not coincide with the will of God or with His timing, He does not answer us. If we coincide with the will of God but do not know how to create prayer, our prayers will also be left unanswered. Due to an unanswered prayer, there are destructive consequences in us. Let's touch them at least in part. Consequences of an unanswered prayer that occur in the children of God because of an answered prayer. Because they don't pay attention how they must pray. Our disappointment and confusion is a natural reaction to an unanswered prayer. We think, I have went through this I, months and months thinking, if you don't have anything to do with me, I will sin. You don't help me. What's the point of praying? You're not answering me. Perhaps, do you, do you like it, how I am suffering? Then look, I am unveiling this to you when I was young. I thought, I thought this. I, said, I read, God will answer, and I fasted for many days with no answer. But when I didn't receive a prayer, I thought that if I pray, he's supposed to immediately answer me. I didn't understand how to pray and how he is supposed to answer. And I was, I was saddened. I rose up and I fell again. I rose up and I fell again until God began to unveil to me through Urim the word contained in the meme. What do we feel when our prayers are left unanswered? We feel spiritual and emotional emptiness that can lead us to sorrow, despair, bitterness, and sometimes revolt. It can undermine the foundation of our faith and lead us to sorrowful consequences such as feelings of loneliness and rejection by God. We think that God has left us, has rejected us. But this is not so, but we may think so. They push us toward thoughts that He doesn't care for us, and that is why we begin to question His love toward us. We begin to doubt God's character and His honor. Instability in our lives pushes us to this question. Can we trust God? Or that prayer is something that is not continual and unpredictable? What can I rely on when I pray? It leads us to premature conclusions regarding ourselves and our motives. It sends doubts that God has called on us to pray in the intentions of God's intercessors. And answered prayer puts before us the same questions that we find in the most ancient book. This is the book of Job, 21.15. Who is the Almighty that we should serve Him? And what profit do we have if we pray to Him? One pastor said to me, yes, Brother Arkady, I know it is written there, but it doesn't work. And he said, with sorrow, with bitterness, people don't leave God. Another one said, I love the word, but I don't like prayer, I don't believe in it. I have seen how people pray, I have prayed myself, 
Это тайна. This Бог is a mystery. Я просто люблю Слово Божие. Я вот люблю. They say I just love the Word of God, but prayer is what God doesn't answer anyways. Yes, it is written, Brother Arkady. I know it is written, but it isn't so. He answers me. It isn't so. It doesn't work. I say to myself, it can't be so. It can't be so. If God said. It works. That means I don't. I may not understand something. If we can dissipate the fog of misunderstanding surrounding prayer, then for us will be revealed these clarifying and calming truths. If a prayer is left unanswered, then that means that there is something wrong with us. So why may God not answer? That means that something is wrong with us. We must search for what. Therefore, we must return. Turn to the Word of God. It will explain what kind of prayers God answers to and what can prevent the receiving of what we ask for in prayer. Every prayer is already answered if it is pronounced with faith and according to the Word of God by a person who is in a correct relationship with God. And it is only a matter of time when the answer becomes visible. And we already have this in us when we received an answer in ourselves. We have the answer inside. We are not broken. God doesn't answer us. You know, when a woman is pregnant, she doesn't have she doesn't have the baby yet, but she already buys things for the baby. You don't have the baby. She says, "I will soon have one." Well, how do you know? Well, she still prepares for him. She's still buying clothes for him because she is preparing his the room for him. She psychologically is preparing herself. How she as a mother, how she will watch after him, how she will talk to him, how she will put him to sleep. That's why God answers right away. But he answer, but this answer becomes visible in his timing. God answers right away when we ask, but his answer. He will reveal. He will make visible what he chooses. When he chooses, I remember in Daniel one place of scripture when someone prayed 24 days. After 24 days of prayer, an angel comes, Gabriel, and says, "In the beginning of prayer, an answer came to you, but the Persians." The princes came against this answer, and they held this answer up. And then God sent the archangel, so I can bring you this answer. I came to bring you the answer. In other words, you're supposed to believe, to have hope that God has heard, and the answer is on its way. God himself chooses at which time to make this answer visible. Him, not you. You have prayed. Comfort yourself. And begin to thank God in a way. Stop saying, God, when? God, ten years has passed. Do you remember how many years passed with Abraham? He was an old man already when the promise had come to fruition. He continued. He had an unceasing prayer. He continued to believe. Second, God is faithful to his promise to answer our prayers. Our understanding of prayer is so twisted that we oftentimes begin to tell ourselves that certain events cannot happen at all or they have little chance of occurring. Mark 11:24 says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. 
This means that when we are asking, this is referring to us acting something according to his will. If, according to these words, we read that God desires to clothe us into resurrection, and this has never occurred in the history of Christianity. We, no, well, this can't. If this exists, why can it be before? Are we better than those before? We are not better, but the church is growing. The closer to rapture, it is growing. It is not better, it is just older than the first apostle church. We should not strive to the first apostle church. This was a child. You were just born. God will rapture a perfect one. Look what apostle Paul said about this church. They didn't have any lack in gifts. Some people think if gifts is not perfection because people did not lack, they spoke in tongues, they did not lack in gifts. But he said, you do not have the spirit. They were left, they remained fleshly, they, they had supernatural gifts spiritual gifts. A spiritual person is someone who has fruit. If you, have, if you are able to bring this fruit to fruition, you must have the seed first. They, were, they weren't ready to chew. A young girl, what does she do? She eats, sleeps, plays. And only when she grows, when she matures, blooms, she is ready to accept the seed. That's why when we grow, only then we'll be ready to accept a seed when we come to the full measure of the statue. Historically, a church, each new nation passes something along to each genealogy or lineage. That's why, obviously, the more God reveals and unveils himself more and more, the more the church grows. God has never unveiled so much truth as he does today so that the church blooms. And finally, he's saying that he is preparing the church to clothe her in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We'll be clothed in him. And God tells us what we must do to be clothed in him. That first, we must leave our nation our household and our corrupt desires. We must take off the nature of our old man. We must renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind. Because until our thinking is renewed, what occurs? Our corrupt desires are masked by religiousness. And our mind feeds these desires. But a renewed thinking stops feeding desires. He says, desires, now you must serve me. You will go where I tell you to go. I don't want this. You're not asked what you want. You will want what I want. Until I am full, I will not give you anything to eat. This is what we must say to our feelings. Until my spiritual man is filled, I will not give anything to my feelings. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Of course, when we ask something according to his will, believe when you ask something according to his will, he has already answered, begin to, to await, begin to thank him for it. According to these words, everything that we ask about has already occurred in the spiritual world. In other words, we must ask for what is reality and what has happened in the spiritual world. 
The will of God and His Word is fulfilled only under the condition that they are correctly understood and practiced. If we have misunderstood the will of God, we cannot practice it. For we must learn to pray according to those principles that God gave us in His Word. And only then a true prayer can help us have a closer relationship with God Honor his nature and his character, respect his honesty and integrity, believe in his word, trust in his love, affirm his goals and his will, and bring his promises to fulfillment. God desires for our faith to grow, and that is why praying without understanding God's principles is simply pointless. This is a waste of time. This kind of prayer will not bring us anything besides disappointment because we, as before, will be left with our unresolved problems. If we pray in this manner, we cannot fulfill our calling of being God's priests and messengers on this earth. Prayer is supposed to be answered, otherwise God would not even ask us to pray. He is not interested in us wasting our energy and our time. He is too practical to allow that. God needs results. That's why He teaches us. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions, Matthew 6, 7. We are supposed to draw near to God and lift prayers to Him, to which God will absolutely answer. We must pray as Jesus prayed. Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, John 11, 41 through 42. This firm knowledge coming from Thumim, from the teaching, when the Holy Spirit unveils what is there, He will establish firmness and knowledge for us that He has already answered us, and we just need to thank Him and await. Wait that you will do this. He himself will choose a time when to do this. That's why don't be impatient how those were with Moses saying, when will you lead us? Are you going to lead us far in this land? Where is this milk and honey that you promised us? Are you lying to us? Where is all of this? All of this already is. It is in our hearts. God has already opened for us. Let's with thanksgiving, let's bow before him and thank him that he has already, that we already have an answer. And when we await and we thank Him for what we have, He in His own time for each of us will begin to unveil certain things. The church is, has already grown, and today it knows more than it ever has. So never there existed as much destruction as it, there is before. Many different faith teachings Many faith teachings with signs, with different untrue consecrations, we can firmly know what comes from God and what isn't from God. One phrase, and we already know, no, this person cannot be from God. Amen. We will bow our knees and pray. May the Lord bless us. We will worship Him. We will rejoice. And we will have faith that all that He has promised for us in His Word, He has already fulfilled. We just need to await His time. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we bow down in spirit and truth before Your face. And we thank You for trust that You have placed at the breast of our mothers, who is the High Jerusalem, 
Here you have taught us how to wrestle. Here you have comforted us when we were saddened, when we were disappointed in you. Forgive our disappointments that we did not believe in your word, that we thought that it does not work, that we thought that we were lonely, that you have rejected us. This was a mistake. You have continued to love us. You have trembled over us and awaited when we would turn to your word when we would love your word, we begin to learn it, when we begin to learn your word, we begin to, you receive the opportunity to send the Holy Spirit. And he, as Urim, will begin to consecrate this word and to comfort us how, as a mother comforts her child. Forgive the sins of your people regarding prayer, why they ignored it, why they could not be true warriors of prayer that could unceasingly stand as a wall before your face to turn away your wrath and to gain your goodness for themselves and for their children. Because we, because of our ignorance, were disappointed in you. I believe that you hear our prayers. And I believe that you forgive our ignorance and you let it go. I believe that your Holy Spirit is joyous, that we were, we were able to touch this mystery of an unanswered prayer. Why you did not answer? Because we prayed not how we were supposed to pray. Because our prayer did not answer to the conditions of a breastplate of judgment that you have sent us to build through which you could hear us and we could hear you. We thank you for the makeup and the building of this breastplate of judgment on our chest. We thank you for Urim and Thummim. We thank you for your word and for your Holy Spirit that begin to communicate with one another. When you see the word of God in the heart of man, you send your spirit and he begins to unveil this word. It is sorrowful that many of your children do not accept that word, the word which they do not understand. That's why you do not have the opportunity to come and to unveil something for them. Because you see emptiness in their hearts, they accept only that which they understand. We thank you that you have unveiled for us the phenomena of your mystery to accept the word that we do not understand to keep it in our heart until you unveil it for us to not reject you or go against you when we don't understand but to present it on your table of showbread and to illuminate it with the vessel of our heart until your Sabbath comes and you will allow us to eat these breads we thank you and we praise you for your mercy and your truth that you have focused in your word that you have focused in, the, in your church 
Именно это священное место. Твой Вышний Иерусалим. Место, где ты пребываешь Место, на котором ты открываешь волю И место, где ты успокаиваешь да будут успокоены в Иерусалиме все дети твои, потерпели какой-либо урон из-за своего невежества, из-за своей душевности, из-за своего младенчества, потому что мысли во младенчестве и размышляли, гадательно и тускло все было. Но теперь, We're когда ты выводишь нас из младенчества, ты начинаешь Начинаем видеть твою мудрость, начинаем видеть твою волю, твой удивительный план, начинаем видеть события и давать им правильную оценку. И нас не пугают события, которые происходят в мире, тревожат и волнуют весь мир. Мы поднимаем наши головы, потому что предвиделось избавление наше от этой земли. The day is coming. We thank you for the healing that we have in Christ Jesus. And when you find a moment to clothe us into your resurrection, that will heal us and that will place us holy before your face to show the whole world the kings that which they have never seen and that which they have never been told of. We thank you that this will be a remarkable time. Many kings and prophets desire to live in our time, but you have allowed us. And our lineage, our time, will be the time where you will call your church from this earth, because all the signs of this time have come. We see this and we thank you. May the, your magnitude be praised in your nation. May there be no place for doubt. May your nation step on any kind of doubt. And may it show your discipline in prayer. We bow down before you, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now may we proclaim our unchanging manifest. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.